welcome to the Flowcast, Josh. It's great to be here, RJ. Yeah, this is a uh, it's it's a long time coming to to plan this because we wanted to do justice to our our professions in in doing this interview the right way because um, while you're a man of many hats, one of the the ones that you wear the most is around music and production. So I kind of, I, I definitely, um, you know, we've had cool conversations in the past in regards to flow and music. And I want to kind of gear the the conversation mm-hmm. towards that and the other cool things that you've got going on, because, you know, you're a, like me, the term that I like is infinite learner. You're always trying to figure out new things and learn yeah. about new things. And so, yeah. We uh, will dive into that stuff today, but let's start with um, giving giving some of the backstory. Who are you and what do you define yourself as these days? I mean, I think infinite learning is a, a great term. Entrepreneur overall uh, with a focus towards composition and music. Um, should I go through like my musical story a little bit? Yeah, like uh, we, can, we can do the backstory now. I'm curious, how did you get started in, in music? Um, it's, it's kind of funny. Like when I was really, really young, um, this is, this is kind of random, but when I was really young, you know, those door stoppers, the Springs, I would play with those for like hours as a kid. Like I was like two years old and I would just like boing, boing, but over and over it, my dad was like, we need to get him an instrument. So it was like out of like my parents going crazy for my love of just like weird sounds and, and repetition and that kind of stuff. And they're like basically threw a keyboard in front of me and then gave me some headphones. And then that was what I replaced uh, my entertainment with for hours. Um, so I started with that and then I wanted to learn drums and my dad was like, you know, if you learn piano, you're going to learn more about rhythm and stuff like that. So later you can learn drums, but it might not work the other way around. And he was right. I actually ended up at some point playing drums in a ska reggae band and playing some funk rock on drums and stuff. But very thankful that they, uh, they got me into piano lessons. Yeah. Um, so did a lot of classical piano throughout high school um, and still do uh, study classical and romantic piano a bit um did trumpet in the end of high school and then really quickly for university my undergrad was jazz piano and digital media which is the stuff i really love like music production synthesis recording the more digital aspect of music and then the masters was in uh, composition with a focus on digital music very cool that's the quick quick backstory yeah and that's great and so what yeah. what do you do with music now Good question. Right now, I'm kind of gearing up to level up as a, as a composer, I would say. So up to this point, I've taken random freelance gigs in doing audio correction or composition for film or whatever it might be. Um, and teaching piano is sort of like my regular gig. I also teach a bit of voice and digital production when I can. I was uh, teaching at Cosmo Music up in Richmond Hill for 12 years, doing their digital music production group classes uh, helped them start up their composition, no songwriting camp is what they called it and did some rock camps with them. So that was really cool. Um, yeah. So right now is, I think the focus is really just to kind of restart fresh focus on the music library. And the word that keeps resonating in my head is passive income. How can I be 55 and retired and maybe all own property down the line, but right now I'm focused on intellectual property. Cool. Yeah. And I mean, it's the, it's the right time to think about that too. How has, how has yeah. like the the post covid world or the covid world kind of shifted your perspective on some of this stuff 
I, I would say I'm lucky in that I started doing digital lessons maybe a year leading up into COVID. So my setup was there. I made up my mind that I wanted to actually take a little bit of time to focus on composition. I was like, if only I could just like take August off. Turns out five months of like half work kind of works out the same way. So it was a lot of uh, focus on courses. That's something I forgot to mention is I'm also doing courses on Udemy. Um, so I'm working on my next three courses right now to the actual recording stage which is nice cool um and but yeah it kind of just rolled in uh to covid with uh, enough prepped that it didn't burn me too much i would say i got lucky that's good yeah it's um it's definitely been something where a lot of i've seen a lot of businesses that and and, and entrepreneurs that have been able to pivot quite nicely during this time because you know they either started the foundation or they were just fast on their feet to to make the transition yeah. when, when, you know, things, things went a little bit hairy for a while and, and yeah. got, got yeah. scary too. Um, what are the, yeah. what not are the, unlike yourself too, eh? you landed on your feet pretty quick from a, a brick and mortar business to getting as digital as you can get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Doing, uh, doing my best to, to now manage both of them at the same time. And, and, uh, yeah. while we're still kind of getting things back back on track with the brick and mortar and hopefully you know that at least for me really we want to make sure that that keeps going and it's it's still scary though we we don't know what's going to happen in the next several months when school starts back up are people going to um have issues you know are things going to start closing again but hopefully like peterborough's been good and um zero cases still is is most days being mm-hmm. reported so yeah so mm-hmm. so um nice. as far yeah, as it's the... nice in a smaller town you have just really quick too i guess oh go ahead it's okay I'm just dealing with the the lag on the the call is all right though um <laughs> i was gonna i was gonna ask like what are the what are the courses that you're working on now or is that still something that you're like trying to build up the uh, intrigue around or is it something that you can share a bit about no it's not a secret yeah totally i haven't really uh, mentioned it much outside of a facebook post many months ago um, but it's not a secret so my first course was in funky rhythmic piano playing basically anyone who's like i want to learn piano but i kind of want to be able to like jam with some friends and anyone who picks up a guitar one of the first things they learn is a few chords and some really cool strumming patterns but on piano you learn these chords and it's like okay but now how do i like jam with these chords like how do i jam along with T-Swift or whatever it might be, right? Yeah. So not that she's the funkiest of styles, but you can jam along with pop, hip hop, whatever. So that was the first course. And these new ones, they're all on Solfege, like Do, Re, Mi. So I go through the history of solmization in Solfege, like attaching nonsense syllables to pitch as a way of retaining the knowledge. Um, And then I go through three levels of building up into full scales, understanding where you are in the scale, how a melody is moving around, And basically the goal, and I think this is the goal for a lot of musicians, is how do I listen to a song, sit at a piano or sit at my instrument and just be able to play it? Or if I'm singing it, have an understanding of what I'm singing. So it's three levels of that, Solfege 101, 201, and 301, uh, with tons of extra material, tons of ear tests and practical application uh, to help strengthen uh, the ears of anyone who's looking to understand music a bit deeper. That's very cool. And, um, you know, I, 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 we've, we've had conversations around flow and music in the past. And so I'm going to, I'm going to kind of dive, 
deep into it right away because I think you will be able to keep up quite a bit. But, um, you know, there's the there definitely is a lot of flow um, in, in the psychological term of the flow state, you know, being that state of optimal consciousness so that we can perform our best that shows up in music. It's, it's often found, you know, in action adventure sports, and it's often found in creatives and music seems to be particularly flowy for a lot of people. Um, now in, in terms of your flow with music, how's the transition been, or, I mean, you've been teaching it a long time, but the, how, what, what do you feel as far as playing versus teaching it? Those are two very different flow states, I think, at the end of the day. So I'd have to probably approach that separately. Yep. I can talk about playing first and then teaching, I guess. Yeah, totally. Go for it. So for me, I think a lot of musicians, it's not too specific for me. I think a lot of musicians will agree that when you're in a flow state, whether it be composing or jamming with a band or playing a classical solo piano song all by yourself, it's about not thinking of the things outside of what you're doing. Right. So it's almost like meditation. The minute you think about that bill that's due tomorrow, you're doomed. Right. So it's about staying focused and, and being in this sort of Zen like state where you're just living in the moment. And it is easy to, to wander a little bit, but it's, you have, this is going to be where you have a brief moment where you can snap back and get right back into the flow state. It's like when you wake up in the morning and you need to hit the bathroom really quick or whatever, you're like, if I do it really quick, I can stay sleepy enough to go back to sleep quick. <laughs> It's like the quicker you can get back to that flow state, the, the quicker you can snap into it again, <laughs> if that makes sense. So you can let your mind wander a bit, but it's about having the discipline, discipline to recognize when that's happening and to re-clear the mind, get back to where you were, and then not punish yourself in the moment for letting that happen. Because that is, in itself is another way of sort of losing that flow. So let it happen. It's natural. Try to get right back into the flow state. Focus on the music or the performance, whatever it might be. And then just saturate yourself in it and get right back to where you were. Jump off the train. If the train's still moving, just jump back on. You're back on the same track. That's very cool. Um, we'll we'll jump into the um, we'll jump into the teaching question as well with that. But as far as music goes, is there any particular type of music that to you feels the most flowy? Now, I I think we we've touched on this before in conversation where. Uh, a lot of the research has been done on jazz music, but is is that mm. is that the case with you? Because I know you've been in in like the jazzy band before. Um, mm -hmm. Or is there something else that you find is particularly flowy for you? That's a great question. I think it's not jazz specific. I think it's more about the improvisation within jazz. So when you're improvising, you're taking thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of patterns, permutating them, augmenting them, coming up with um, like just different variations and that kind of stuff. So I think that the actual improvisation aspect, and there's contemporary piano improvisation that's more classical or 21st century driven. I think anything where you're improvising, that is maybe what demands the most flow state. And then second to that would be uh, performing with other musicians where time is um, on everyone's plate. Like, I mean, if you have a drummer, then they're going to help lock down that time. But yep. it's a responsibility that everyone has. And I think that's why the closer you are with other musicians, you, you trust them more, and then you can trust their sensibility and understanding of timing so you can lock in with them. So I think for me, the three flow states in music in terms of what is the highest demand is 
improvisation on any level, especially with other musicians, and then just jamming with other musicians and then playing by yourself. Cool. But even the bottom of that, it, it requires so much flow that it's, there's a reason why it takes years of study for most musicians to, to really improve and get towards a professional level. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, do you find that it is um, particularly heightened in, in like the performance setting as well and not just when oh, you're like yeah. jamming with friends? Oh yeah. I mean, we used to have a thing in my band where if we would make mistakes at our practice before the show, we'd be like, thank God we got those out of the way kind of thing. Right. But there's something about when you're playing a show, you just make less mistakes. Hmm. I think generally it's difficult like with public speaking, you might make more mistakes, but when you're with a band, especially there's something about just like the energy and you're not thinking about, can I hit all these notes? Is it not that I play guitar, but can I hit all <laughs> these notes? Is, is it going to work out? It's more about like, let's make sure these people have an awesome time. Cool. And that's where my background as a wedding DJ and a magician, just a general entertainer um, is huge because the focus is on entertaining others. Mm. And, and I think if you keep focused towards that and just have fun, and don't overthink the notes and all the other stuff and try to overcomplicate things, yeah. then you can, uh, you can have a really good time. That's very cool. And, um, and actually tying it in um, to the, the magician thing, um, you know, you've talked about how it's creating that like sense of wonder and awe for people. And, uh, and mm -hmm. which, which is very cool. It's, it's kind of, um, in some ways it's it's like almost inducing a flow state for people but it's also a different type of peak experience because awe is its own thing it's like what we experience when we look at you know a beautiful sunset on stony lake or when we're um yeah, yeah, when, yeah. We're, when something unexpected happens with music so what what is it about that that drew you to wanting to um provide it for others are you talking about music? Well, I think there's a, I think that maybe there is a, a similar drive behind both the music and the magic. I see. What, yeah. I see what you're saying. For me, it was, I, I still remembered like some of the first times I saw magic and how I felt. And some of the first times I listened to music that spoke to me and how I felt. And I'm just like, wow, this feels so good. How can I help other people feel this way? And uh, I think some people, if they want to help people, they, they might become, a nurse or help people physically that way or similar to what you're doing for me it was about how great I felt emotionally and wanting to help other people feel that same way and I'd be lying if I didn't mention the fact that I do like tricking people and I was always a prankster as a kid just on a small level yeah. so I think with magic it's like 30% I'm enjoying tricking people a bit and then 70% watching or maybe 60% watching their awe and then 10% hoping that I'm influencing maybe especially if kids are in the audience someone else to pass on that same tradition that's very cool. Um, and, and so it, then it also makes sense, ties into why you're so passionate about teaching music to others and not just performing. Um, yeah. So it, it is a whole other beast, though, to like take your your expertise or your mastery in the craft and then try to instill it upon others. What uh, are, are there any particular challenges you find with with teaching or does it come quite naturally? as far as music goes? I mean, for me, I think it came naturally. I knew I wanted at some point to be like a college or university professor. That still might be a thing down the line. So I've always known that I wanted to do some teaching and, and pass on some of this knowledge and, and some of the fun, especially because what I do is, is quite fun. Music, magic, whatever it is, pass that along. I think with teaching, though, the thing that I 
love about it is also the thing that's most difficult, which is adapting to each individual student. So for me, it's about trying to identify normally within like realistically within like four to six months is how long it takes me to really understand what's going to, what, what the students' strengths are, especially in terms of their learning styles and that kind of stuff. Um, and then focus on a way to help them have the most fun at the piano while also tricking them into learning at a faster speed. And so that, that's been quite difficult, but it's also the thing that I like the most because it, it breaks up the monotony of here's a C major scale or here's these chords. There's a lot of repetition. Hmm. And so to break it up, I think it's about the focus on the connection with the individual. Yeah. And now are, are there any, um, when you say like trekking people into it, it's almost like trying to get into like that higher, like that more peak performance or like flow state with it, even though they maybe aren't quite to that skill level to just like flow on their own. What are, are there any things that like you right. kind of have in your toolkit that are particularly useful tricks? Focusing on strengths find out what their strength is, and then find a way that that thing can connect with some of the stuff that might be their weakness. Like if a student is really good at chords, for example, hopefully, hopefully I'm not getting too technical here, but if someone's really good at chords, playing multiple notes at a time, but not so much scales, and if chords excite them and they're good at them, starting to explain, well, if you learn scales, that'll benefit your chords this way. Also, you can learn scales faster than some other people because your chord notes are already a few notes from within your scale. And that might not be the best example, but just trying to find something that they excel at. And then, and, and I'm very transparent about tricking them too. I tell students, I'm like, I'm going to trick you into learning this in the next couple cool. of weeks. And it's just kind of funny. And then sure enough, it, it happens most of the time. Yep. So latching onto a strength and then finding some little subdivision of that strength that can just sort of be a foot in the door towards the next technical thing or next song or whatever it might be. Yeah, it makes sense. It's like, um, it, it is essentially trying to like maintain uh, in flow, we call it the flow channel. So, you know, there's that optimal state between boredom and anxiety where you're in flow and it's based off of your skill versus the challenge level. So if you're kind of riding that upper wave of it where people have that strength, so they've got the skill level and then you're also pushing the challenge just a little bit, then mm -hmm. you're able to, once again, you're able to trick them into bringing along those other skills maybe that are um, driving them slightly too high along the curve, but then getting them back into it to maintain mm -hmm. it. Like you said with, um, yeah, with, that's great with losing focus and, and still pulling it back in quick enough to stay kind of in flow overall. So that's really cool. That's right. like, um, I don't know. That's like a super advanced, teaching method i feel I, I don't know i feel like not many people have tapped into being able to teach like that kind of to that degree i think a lot of it's innate like honestly how much i've thought about that before this interview is very little like i think i'm a logical person so i'm going okay like if this is what they're good at why focus on all the other stuff focus on this yeah. for a bit and help them realize how it can uh, benefit the other things i think the other thing too is just reminding them like how did you feel when you accomplished that thing that you're already good at you feel good, right? How do these scales feel right now? Not so good. So what's going to happen if you put in some practice and start to get good, right? You're going to have to kind of swim upstream a little bit for the first bit, but you're going to feel good. And where you see this the most is in like four-year-old students. They'll be like, they'll learn a song for the first week. They didn't practice very much. Like this song is stupid. 
I'm like, well, hold on. Like, why, why do you feel that way? And then we go through, we learn it. And they come in the next week, they're like, Josh, 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 I got to show you this is the best song ever. And they, they learn the song and all of a sudden they're super excited about it, right? So I think there's something to be said about just like focusing on having them, having them focus on the positive outcome from past accomplishments and using that as fuel and reminding them. Cause even myself, like I don't always remind myself about that stuff. We don't, but having a teacher remind you like, how did you feel? Didn't that feel great? Let's get there again. But with this other subcategory. Yeah. Very cool. Um, are you familiar with like the fixed versus growth mindset concepts? Yeah. Yeah. I want to say a hundred percent. I know of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, uh, I think in a lot of the investing books and stuff like that, that I'm reading or just even the memes on Instagram and stuff like that growth mindset comes up a lot in my feed <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But it's, uh, it, essentially, you know, you kind of just describe something that's really cool because I think like a lot of kids, um, it, it, it's something that's definitely learnable to get into more of the growth mindset, but a lot of kids often start in more of that fixed mindset, like you said, where like the song's stupid because you're frustrated that it's too hard or you're not right. understanding something. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it's really neat that you're able to like kind of coach more into getting, getting them excited about it, like in the growth mindset idea, not seeing not seeing the struggles so much as like a failure that's innate, but like an opportunity to learn from. Right. Absolutely. Well, piano is uh, especially something you can't separate failure from. It's like a million little failures that lead you to success. Was it Will Smith that said fail forward? I think it's that same sort of idea, but being able to deal with those little failures to eventually um, make up your small goals. And then eventually those small goals make up the big goals. But you can't be too, I have some students that are just so hard on themselves anytime they make a mistake. And so my first thing that I try to focus on, because I know that's going to slow them down more than anything, is, is their headspace. Mm -hmm. If I can get their headspace in check, then I know that they'll have exponential progress from that point, hopefully. That's very cool. Um, yeah, like, man, I, I want to I learn music from you just because of all the uh, all the things that you're doing that... <laughs> that uh, are just like next level teaching nice. skills. <laughs> um, we'll trade lessons for floats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what things are like, what things are, are you pushing yourself with in terms of, of music these days? Or is it more along the lines of production and, and teaching or, or sort of what, what are you still tackling yourself? It's about the business end of me being an entrepreneur. Yep. So in the last couple of years, it was building my website. Now it's about finding a way to get my music library up on a couple different sites. But I also like, let's say you came to me and you're like, Hey, really want to buy this song off you. I, or maybe I, I want to buy a song off you. Can I take a look at your music library? And I would redirect you to a site and they would give me maybe 50% of what you had paid. But even though I'm doing the marketing for them and sending you to them. So I want a couple of sites where that stuff happens uh, just sort of hands off passively. And then also my own Shopify store where I can uh, make a bit better commission and then have people sort of know that they're focusing on just supporting the artists and not some other big inflated company. Right. Are those like the... Um... Are those like the royalty free sites you're talking about or no, um, like to give you a couple of names, like, um, smaller company pond five or bigger company artlist.io. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever get ads for artlist. That oh, was yeah. actually a company that, yeah. Right. I actually got accepted to be one of their artists, um, like a year ago and I followed up with like eight 
questions, like numbered them. Like just, like just a couple quick questions before we got started. They never replied. And I, I, I don't know, I was kind of sketched out from there. So I still, I do want to get with that company still, but I just want to make sure that I can trust whoever I'm, I'm under in terms of my library because it's my life's work, right? So yeah, you want to make sure that you do enough research and due diligence that way. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, really, it's just about the business aspect. I, I focused on the business of myself as a teacher and now I'm focused more towards the composition end of the spectrum and how I can focus on the passive income from that. Very it's a tough cool. field though. Yeah. <laughs> Very competitive. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Um, like what, what things in terms of like, you are always learning stuff. What, what are the things that you're most curious about going after right now in terms of, of learning to like level up, whether it is in business, are there anything, is there anything specific? In composition? Well, or, or, or pretty much anything, you know, like I know that you're big into, um, personal finance and, and investing and stuff. Is that still yeah. hot on your list or what else are you? I have my chart on the right screen here. I'm trying not to look at it, but yeah, no, it's still a, a daily endeavor. Yeah. My, my tip to anyone listening is, uh, don't short the market a week and a half ago. <laughs> um, it's been, it's been a really interesting market. I don't want to get too into the markets or whatever, but it's, it feels like it's being held up on stilts. And on each stilt, it just says fed. <laughs> so that's, that's been a, a learning. I mean, geez, we can really get into like the whole mental aspect of stocks because that's, I think the thing that if anyone's going to be a successful trader, they absolutely have to be comfortable with failure. They have to be comfortable with those losses. Yeah. And I'm thankful that piano taught me that, but piano is not like you hit a wrong note and someone goes, thanks for the 50 bucks. Like, <laughs> like that's what it feels like. So it's a double burn. You're not only making mistakes, but you're, losing hard-earned money at the same time but the idea is lose small win big and just trust your system if you know you have an edge huh yeah it's but really that, that's something i'm very focused on right now <laughs> okay so and and you, so you think that a lot of like that i mean clearly as we talk about growth mindset it's all about failing forward and um yeah is that something you've is that something quite innate to you or did you learn it through music or something else? Oh, I mean, I, if I had to look back at myself as a kid, I was probably harder on myself for my failures on the piano. And then that got easier over time because you know, every single time that's happened, I've been able to overcome it. The only factor is time and, and practice essentially. Mm. Right. Yep. But with the market, I I've been reminding myself like, look, to be successful at piano, you took 15 years or so to like really focus on it. So don't try to speed through this. Understand that you're making the same types of mistakes that you would have on piano. Um, in piano, you don't make the same mistake once. You might make the same mistake like 10 times. As a trader, you make the same mistake a second time. Like, oh, how could I have let this happen? I lost 50 bucks from this last week. Now I've lost another 50 or 100 this week or whatever. But it's the same thing. You're going to have to make those mistakes numerous times to really ingrain it into your system. And that's actually when I started to look into stoicism and uh zen or zen stoics that kind of idea to, to help me and meditation just generally to help me um manage my emotions better when they could get the best of me and, and that could make uh for some really poor decisions in the market especially yeah it's it's a great point and uh and it, it is a very interesting topic is that um well so you find that that's that's helping are you are you normally like a a rather cool and collected person or, or do you do emotions get the best of you? 
until I had to drive in Toronto, I was very <laughs> calm and collected as a person. Honestly, the Toronto driving has just like, I'm considering moving to PEI or a place where I can just wave at people when I'm driving instead of waving with a particular finger kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I realize that I'm getting more out of touch with maybe a natural sort of zenness that I had as an only child studying piano very comfortable in my own skin and just sort of doing comfortable being bored I used to love just like I'm bored it's okay I'm allowed right but I honestly think that the city and its energy is uh something I'm looking forward to actually separating from at some point soon yeah so generally yes but the market plus Toronto has uh my horns are starting to grow a little bit so I'm trying to push them back in <laughs> It's, it's a it's a very it's a great point to make on how much you know impact our environment has on that but we have to like you know one of the the core parts of zen and stoicism is we've got to remember what's under our control and not be so yes pushed and tested by what's out of our control or what our environment is dictating Yes. Yeah. And in this case, Toronto driving is like starting a video game on extra hard mode <laughs> in terms of learning how to be that, that Zen and live in the moment. I think I also love the energy of positive people around me. And then I feed off that and they feed off my positive energy. But when there's so much blatant, I don't care about you in your box and I'm in my little box and just the way seeing like the types of people that you're surrounded by in the city, even though you don't see them most of the time, they're in their homes. I think the worst of people come out when they're driving because they feel they're in their little protective box and they're separate from you so they can just treat you however they want. It just makes me, people are great, but it makes me lose faith a little bit on like a lot of the people in the city anyway, in terms of like greed, ego, narcissism and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's definitely like a, a challenging thing. Um, it feels, I, I mean, even having spent uh, like eight years during school in Toronto for myself, there is a massive difference. And like, I, I figured, you know, I was like, Oh, I've had enough of this. Like that was, that was my fix for life. And now I'm moving somewhere small again to, yeah. to have more space and room to breathe and more uh, nature to get into yeah. and peace and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes a big difference. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think like 18 to 30, it's, it's great here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a certain age where big cities work better, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as far as... I think the other thing, too, is a, like, for me, it's like if I was in Toronto oh, and, and making, just really quickly, and making like a huge salary that might justify it a bit more, I'm doing well, don't get me wrong, but I think like the benefits of Toronto really are these big, big paying jobs. And I think that, um, and, or also just like, if you're like younger, you're like, let's go out to like this restaurant and this club. Well, I don't do that. And there's a pandemic. So I definitely don't do that right now. So I don't know if I'm getting the most out of the city. So I, I do have love for Toronto, of course. And I just wanted to make sure that it's, it's clear that it's specific to my circumstance or circumstantial. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's cool. <laughs> what, um, what things have you been working on as far as like the, the, uh, the stoic practices or the Zen and like mindfulness stuff? That's a good question. Um, I'm trying to go for morning walks um, just to kind of clear the head a bit. Sometimes I'm listening to podcasts on the walks. I mean, quite admittedly, most of the time I am, but trying to exercise a little bit more regularly, um, take time when I feel the most detached from that Zen feeling and then make sure that I'm reading a little bit. And honestly, like it's um, what's the word I'm looking for. It's uh, it's like, Oh, there's 
anyway, uh, uh, oh, it's there. Anyway, basically, like, the more you try at it, it's diminishing returns. That's what I was thinking of, diminishing returns. Because I could read, like, a whole book on stoicism. I'm not going to be, like, a whole book more stoic after that, if that makes sense. So I try to read, like, little inspiring quotes or maybe, like, a couple pages here and there and take my time in digesting what they're trying to say. So for me, it's, like... I almost felt guilty when you ask, because I'm like, you know, not as much as I probably could be, but at the same time, there's a sort of throttle and it is kind of diminishing returns the more you start to, to try to cram all this stuff. So I think I'm just trying to be slow and steady and, and try to be a little bit more mindful each week. That's very cool. I think that um, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, I'm not constantly reading, you know, Marcus Aurelius like through and through, yeah. but I'm, yeah. I, I usually have, something from the Stoics on the go each day. And, you know, Ryan Holiday's Daily Stoic is a perfect example because, you know, I'll play his, it's a three minute podcast I'll play in the morning and I'll usually read the uh, the page for the day from the Daily Stoic book as well. And, and then, nice. yeah, that's like, that's what you work on. That's what you chew on for the day. Um, and honestly, I don't even listen yeah. to it every single day. Like sometimes, sometimes, things will will get in the way or sometimes I'll just miss a day and it's okay because I've been through the book like twice now. So it's like, it's all good. Yeah. Um, well, like an example is let's say you're on like the dock at Stony Lake or something and in your sitting there and the, the sun's going down, it's beautiful and the lake is making its sounds and the wind's there and you're reading a book on stoicism. It's like, no, just sit and enjoy the moment. <laughs> right. Like there's times where like you could be letting life pass you by trying to learn how to live in the moment yeah and you have to make sure you choose your moments right to like if i'm on a busy train or something and that might be a great time to read about stoicism because i might want to just sort of relax a bit more and then practice it and apply it in some of the moments where you think you're making the best memories totally yeah oh th those are so, such good points um i'm glad you mentioned that it's like it's something that i've been thinking about a lot lately because yeah trying to balance I mean, we're both doing the same sort of thing, trying to balance multiple business endeavors and, and different challenges yeah. like that. How are you, um, how are you like structuring your days overall to like go from, you know, one, one mindset or one business mind to the next? Um, are you, are you like blasting through the whole thing? Do you give yourself the time to like pause and transition uh, what strategies do you have in play? Um, well, if you looked at my Google calendar, it might look a little bit stressful because there's quite a bit there. Yeah. So I try to use it as like a rough guideline. Um, generally before work, I do find that exercise helps as a reset button for me. Um, whether I'm having a great morning or a bad morning or a morning where I feel like I'm just not going to be ready to listen at the level that I have to. Exercising does help with that. Um, a coffee doesn't hurt either right before I get teaching. So that's kind of nice. Um, so my morning is normally like, focused around meditation and physical activity. Yeah. Late morning would be um, any pressing projects that I have at the moment, things that I have to wrap up. Uh, if there's nothing going on, then it's about focusing on compositions and having fun. I used to compose a lot at night, like until like two in the morning when I was in that alpha state, like I would do a lot of composition that way. Now I find it's a little bit better for me earlier in the day. And then later in the day, I give myself uh, the freedom after I've done work and after I've eaten dinner and cleaned up and stuff like that to just relax. Cool. That's good. Do you find that you're more of a morning person or a, a, like a night owl? I'm getting there, but yeah, 
uh, part of that is because of COVID. Like I was actually saying this to Tori today, like I was up at like eight this morning. Normally I'm up at like nine-ish, yep. but I'm starting to wake up a little bit earlier, eight or just before. I'm like, this is so much easier when I can go to bed at like 11 and it feels like an appropriate bedtime. But when you're done <laughs> work, like my usual uh, calendar schedule throughout the school year is like teach from 3.30 till nine. Right. So going to bed at 11 feels like you cram in dinner and then you go to bed. It's like, what's the point? I want to have a little bit of downtime afterwards. So I do go to bed at a different time now than I would during my usual routine. So I had to really adjust. Right now I'm becoming more of a morning person, but I'm not getting too comfortable with that thought because I know it's going to get swept from under my feet soon. <laughs> well, that makes sense. And at least like, at least you know that you can handle sort of a later schedule too and, and function properly and that it works yeah works for you. i don't prefer it to be oh, honest okay. like it's a little difficult like i mean yes the like i said the workout and that kind of stuff helps but like i find that like when i start work especially if i start work at like four or four thirty, a little bit later it just kind of feels like it's like oh man the day feels kind of like i should be done almost and you're just get, gearing up for work yeah so it's different i also have like sundays where i teach like nine hours from early in the day all the way through so that's like a completely different headspace as well too um yeah I don't really know exactly where I was going with that. It's just, you have to kind of take each day one at a time and just understand like, and through the routine, like Sundays caught me off guard off the start. I've yeah. taught Sundays now for like almost 10 years. Saturday literally feels like Sunday to me. Everyone else I'm on bathrooms. I'm seeing them drive by in their loud Honda civics, knowing that they're going down to like club or whatever. And I'm just like reading a book, might as well be by a fireplace, <laughs> ready to go to bed soon. Yeah. So it's about like adapting to each day as it comes and yeah, I think that's, it's difficult, but with like anything with practice and time, it gets easier. Very cool. Um, I don't know where, where else I, I, I want to go from there. That was, I really enjoyed like that. What, um, are there any like books in particular you're reading right now? Cause I know we're both, we're both quite into books and, and, uh, and, and also you particularly like are totally analog there's like no digital in your life what are so what are you reading right now um well they're actually propping up my laptop so <laughs> uh elliot wave principle uh by frost and Pretch. I, I don't know how much i'm actually i'm not an elliot uh elliotician i think they're called okay i just want some perspective on what they're thinking in the market yeah uh stoicism by uh kyle faber the passion paradox uh by brad stolberg and steve magnus uh, one of my favorites right now is by Mark Douglas. It's called Trading in the Zone. Uh, we had a conversation about that before. I don't know if you've had a chance to check it out, but it's all about the psychology of trading. And it goes back to like kids being bitten by dogs. And then the next time they see a dog, they're scared of the dog kind of thing. And just like how we condition ourselves from a young age to having single or even just a couple of experiences make us have some really concrete thoughts about uh, the way we'll experience those moments again in the future. Oh, interesting. Like a brown dog bit me as a kid now i'm afraid of brown dogs it's like well that was just circumstantial that a brown dog had bit you right that's just like one he, he goes so deep he's a super smart guy so mark douglas yeah there's also the discipline traders another one that i'm looking forward to reading um but he's the go-to for the psychology of a lot of traders cool. and then the last one is the uh the turtle which is about the i don't know if you know the turtle traders uh backstory but they're basically it was an experiment where um two guys were talking about how trading could be taught or could not be taught to other people and so this one guy's like no it can totally be taught it's just a set of rules that they have to follow so he did this big job interview process got a bunch of different types of people from all different fields some experts some complete non-experts um in, in anything and other people had phds 
And then so basically he would teach them his basic strategy and then they were very successful, whether it was just the market at the time, there's a lot of hemming and hawing about that, but that's a cool book too, just kind of showing how um, there is some, um, the, the market isn't completely random, I think is what the book is teaching me. Cool. Not completely, but it's very random. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Nice. Those, those are the ones that are on the go. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I don't know if I've got anything else that I really wanted to, to, to touch on it. What else? Is there anything you're curious about? Cause we can kind of like go off on, on tangents as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, what? Okay. So, okay. So if I could ask you a little bit about your business, if you don't mind. Totally. So what are some, what are some things that you're putting in place? Cause I know that you're really focused on like the digital aspect and, and falling on your feet as this pandemic hit to make sure that people are still very aware of your business and its expansion into other areas of mental health. I think you'd probably have to focus more on the mental than the physical because it would just be easier to help people that way. I'd imagine with this medium. But um, I understand you're expanding Flow Spa a little bit as well, too. And, and that really plays well into uh, people re repairing from this pandemic in ways. What are some ways that you're taking the, the brick and mortar aspect of the business and trying to uh, make it a bit more pandemic proof in the future, so to speak? Yeah, like the the pandemic proofing obviously is, uh, well, in, in one way, partially the idea, of, as we mentioned at the start, which... Um, may have been before we actually started the uh, the official podcast start but we're putting in place a massage therapist which at least to some extent depending on what the stages look like if we do experience another pandemic or another like shutdown due to covid um the the it gives us a little more um protection because floating can be done when it's administered by a massage therapist so that means that rather than when we opened in stage oh. three this time around, we could potentially be open earlier with the massage therapy um, in place. So, I mean, that's yeah. that's that's brick and mortar based. And then the other thing is um, kind of the long term goal and vision with creating different online courses just like you are that um mm -hmm. i mean a lot of it for me is geared towards peak performance and flow um because that's like something that i've realized is it's it's a little bit higher level vision from uh from flow spot itself being kind of like part of that with with like stress management mindfulness and recovery mm -hmm. Those are definitely essential parts to peak performance and flow, um, but it, it's kind of just the the, uh, the tip of the iceberg, right? And then so there's a higher yeah. point. The other things are working more on like wellness based courses that are a little bit, I guess, um, from from like a brand perspective, a little bit less edgy or hardcore. Those are a little bit more like mindful and relaxed and. Um, and so those are things that we're also, or at least I'm, I'm working on, on developing more of too, so that for one, it's not, well, another thing is it doesn't have to just be for like our local audience anymore either. It can then be something mm -hmm. that is, that is global, just like putting out a music course on Udemy, right? 
Yeah. And what's cool is you can see where that information is impacting people the most and then kind of focus your strategy around that too. Yeah, totally. Um, it's, it's the same thing with, with like making podcasts or making, um, videos on YouTube, the ones that, that do better kind of gives you a hint on what people are, are really struggling with or interested in learning more about. Totally. Um, I had a thought as you were saying all that too, because essentially with the courses and stuff, it's like, it's coming from almost like a little bit of a, uh, stance of like a motivational speaker of sorts. Cause I always find that like motivational speakers, you you are learning at the same time and it's motivational. And to an extent, that's a small subdivision of kind of what you're doing. Yep. I wonder if there would be a market for like going to high schools at the end of the year and talking to students that are graduating, especially during the stressful pandemic and just doing like little, like group sessions, like, is anyone feeling extra stressed going off to university and stuff and just talk about the few ways they can de-stress or even use something like FlowSpot to their advantage? Because I think a lot of kids at that age don't realize just how stressed they are because they don't really have much uh, perspective on that yet being so young and also what resources are available. And I know yeah. you already have enough on your plate, but I wonder if something like that might be, uh, might be lucrative to you in some way and also super helpful to others. But I just, I feel for the kids that are graduating this year. Let me put it that yeah. way. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a great point because uh, I definitely like, um, yeah, uh, I, I definitely like speaking to the younger crowds and trying. It's challenging, as you know, being a, a teacher, but um, yeah, trying to get a breakthrough, maybe you only impact a small percentage of them, but it's still, yeah. that still makes a difference. And um, definitely. And, and yeah, like it is something like we see a lot of kids uh, or teenagers that come through to float and it can be a game changer for them. So it is yeah. like some people maybe aren't totally ready for like the full hour alone with their thoughts, but the ones that are yeah. like, it's quite transformative. So there is a lot of cool stuff there. And um, yes, I do. I, I feel like my, my um, transition into to university was like, I wasn't fully growth mindset oriented yet. So it was yeah. a challenge being from, you know, one of the top kids in my high school going into the university of Toronto, because of course ego pushes you there. And then you're like, not so not. great anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. Just that, just another number. <laughs> yep. Um, so there's a lot of things that I wish I knew that, yeah, definitely can, um, instill in others and hopefully make a, a bit of a difference. And I don't know, I guess if, if you've got the right, if you got the right story to tell, it, it can resonate. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's and I where think in a situation yeah. like that, you would need to have a sign up process. Cause if you're at an assembly in high school, oh, you're doomed. <laughs> but if you can have a little thing where like, it's like, is anyone feeling extra stressed coming out of high school and feel free to sign up for this thing or something like that. I don't know. I, again, I think it just comes from me, like seeing my students and, and the stress that comes with them not being able to officially graduate, knowing that they might have to take courses online. And it's just like the, the mental stress from that would be intense. So of course they're sitting on their phone, scrolling Instagram and doing less physical stuff. So the physical kind of pairs with it. And I just can't help but to, to think that they're probably one of the more sensitive groups to something like this pandemic and wondering what their future might hold. But instead of focusing on that, focus on the present and improving yourself i think it's important totally i think uh if i don't remember to do it after this conversation when i go back and listen to this conversation i'm gonna make notes of that because it's even something that 
whether it's speaking in person or through the flow Academy, making a webinar on there about it. Um, mm-hmm. it, it it's definitely a good idea to, to share with that ter- particular group. I like that a lot. Um, and then mm-hmm. kind of yeah, jumping absolutely. on the, uh, the, the motivational speaker thing too, which, um, I don't really, I, I, I noticed that, um, I mean, I don't, the, the title doesn't resonate with me, but the concept. It's a bit of a maybe. stretch for my hand, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, it's the, it's definitely the, like the motivational part, but like the way I see it is more leading through being on the journey alongside you. Right. And that's, that's Absolutely. more, that's more my, uh, that's my, more my angle of it for sure that I've realized is kind of core yeah. to my personal philosophy. Yeah. Right. I think I was wondering just like, how do the students that need something like that, how do they find your resources, like your courses and stuff? Yeah. So motivational speaker was definitely a stretch in, in terms of like the way I addressed it, but yeah. even just being able to talk to them for like five minutes and be like, these resources are available. Feel free to check them out kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Something along those lines. It's a great, yeah. it's a great <laughs> idea though. Um, yeah. yeah. And then is there, is there anything else we need to uh, touch on? I, I think the last thing I wanted to ask is uh, what, Okay, I actually have two quick questions. No, it's all good. From your spa, what what is the thing that you're using the most that you didn't expect to like so much? Are you taking like cold baths every day and <laughs> the ice cold bath, or like there be mental or physical that you maybe thought that that you're getting better results than you had expected? Um, I mean, Deep question. <laughs> it, it's, it's a good question. Um, I, I have like. I've, I've got two answers. Like I always try to float every single week because it, it makes a big difference. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. y- even, you know, when we're, when we're working at our desk a little bit too long and I'm not sure if you, do you have a standing setup? No. no okay. So, so like at home, like right here's my standing desk and stuff and it's the right nice. height for me, but at the spa, like the, the desk heights are a little bit different than what mm-hmm. uh, is best for me posturally. So, um, floating definitely helps both with training and with with the the like creative work that i spend sometimes hours immersed in at a time um to help to Mm -hmm. let my body kind of realign and reset so that's something that's like a must do every week um for me to feel my best but Mm-hmm. And like, like you said, it's not a surprise, but it is something that, because like I knew already, but the, the cold plunges are, are definitely something that is, is just like, <laughs> it, 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 it aligns with me properly. You know, um, nice. like I, I, I do those multiple times a week and it's actually right now I'm, I'm, uh, sort of working towards improving proving my skill at it again because i kind of lost it during uh a COVID a little bit when we weren't open and i wasn't doing them as frequently and it's something that's highly yeah. trainable and adaptable to and it's very cool pun intended that you can get so good <laughs> at at cold exposure yeah. because uh that's that seems so bizarre but that makes sense <laughs> like it, it's it's neat um the fact that you can you can get to the point where you start shivering and you're able to pull yourself back out of it um, and stay calm oh, nice. and stay like essentially you get to the point where you can you feel like you could indefinitely stay in in the cold 
tub at 40 or 40 degrees or even lower, like down to 36. Oh, geez. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It just seems like kind of like what we talked about before, like you'd have to really have like your mind in that flow state or in some sort of state of Zen. And then if you do start to stray, like bring yourself back, kind of like what we talked about before, try to snap back in because if you let the shivering start to go, like I'd imagine it could be this exponential like snowball effect. Almost. Yeah. And like also with no cold, yeah. <laughs> with cold exposure, <laughs> like rule number one is you don't want to start shivering because that's a sign your core temperature is dropping too low. So, right. um, so that's, that's kind of where, yeah, you get better at it so that you don't shiver because your body can handle it. Um, the other cool yeah. thing is like, it's, a it's a different, like, it's a different neurochemical response to getting into the float tank. Like the float tank is that pure Zen experience, you know, even people that can't meditate very comfortable. Yeah. Are getting into a deep, like theta brainwave state, which we usually only see in deep sleep mm. or when you're like years into a meditation practice, but just because there's yeah. very little stimulus with the float tank, it's actually something that I say, I call it a gently forced meditation because you get into that regardless of your skill level. Um, right. The, the neurochemical results of cold plunges are quite a bit different, but you come out of it with like a similar level of energy, you know, after a float, you feel nice and relaxed, but you also feel quite alert because yeah. your body has been restored so much after a cold right. plunge you you also feel similarly relaxed because i i like it i i kind of relate it more like the a, a, a shot of coffee without the jitteriness because you get this spike right. of those uh, like norepinephrine and so you get that spike of alertness and you also get more of the calm because mm -hmm. you don't have like that jittery effect of the of the um of, of coffee and so and that's also because you get this dopamine release so it is kind of like the starting of a flow state that you can induce through cold exposure and then you do have to hold on to it just like you're talking about with music you've got to keep that focus and that attention otherwise you start yeah. shivering and then it's over and done with but when you get out you still feel good because yeah. your body starts to heat back up and then just that like heating back up relaxes you too so it's this like circulatory effect through your system that really makes the difference nice i mean would you ever pair the two like do like cold hot float or anything like that oh yeah is that too much <laughs> no 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 i um i i do it i do it sometimes i usually um, um i usually will will float first because um it's just kind of like relaxing and stuff and then if i need to like yeah. reawaken like i i actually almost all the time because um i float more so earlier in the day or midday in order to like have like a really good nap and i'll actually either do the cold right. plunge or just do pure cold shower so that i can re-alert myself yeah. and not just be like zombie style right <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Trying to run your business all relaxed. <laughs> it sometimes works, but it's sometimes good to have a little bit more of um, that jolt. I, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know that you're actually taking time away from Flow Spa right now really quickly with your amazing crew uh, holding down the fort. So I won't take too much of your time, but I have one other quick question for, for you. For sure. 
And that is because I know you're an avid reader of so many different topics. Which one is catching your interest most right now, whether it be a digital book or an analog book? <laughs> um, yeah, so I just... But what's catching your interest? I, I've, been, I've been studying like the hero's journey quite a bit, um, as, especially as it relates to some of the curriculum I'm building with the Flow Academy. So I just finished reading The Odyssey, which I had never actually read. Mm -hmm. um, which I really enjoyed. Oh, cool. And um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm rereading Stealing Fire, which I told you last conversation about the rise of Superman from Stephen Kotler, which is all about yeah. flow states. Stealing Fire yeah. is, it, it, it introduced, it talks about flow a little bit, but it's more about the states or the altered states of consciousness in addition to flow. So things like, um, like the hypnotic okay. trance states from psychedelics or from breathing and all that. Um, and so yeah. I'm rereading that because there's, there's a concept I'm trying to, um, explain deeper in an upcoming, um, webinar I'm going to be doing. Okay. And then that's the same author. It's from Stephen Kotler and Jamie wheel. So yes, it's a few okay. years, it's a few years after Rise of Superman. It's, it's also nice. super awesome. Um, it kicks off yeah. the, the first chapter or one of the first chapters talks about how the Navy SEALs actually use float tanks as a way to accelerate their ability to learn languages from six months down to six what? weeks. What? They can That's learn crazy. <laughs> because, because they get, um, they've got like these float tanks that are decked out with like um biofeedback so it'll it'll get them force oh, wow. them you know you don't even need that to get into the state in in the float tank right you can get relaxed but they actually mm -hmm. like even supercharge it by being like okay you're in like this optimal state of wow. of relaxation and now just like the matrix we're going to download a foreign language into your brain that is so cool yeah <laughs> neuro neuro hijacking <laughs> yeah so that's stuff that the navy seals use float that's tanks cool. for actually all the time which is really cool um but it's a great book it's like they're great writers so it's just so fun to read and um that's awesome yeah i've it's been only a couple of years since i read it last but i'm i'm like totally into it again i'm like a quarter of the way through and i just started it yesterday and so that won't last me long oh that's awesome um what else <laughs> so i don't know um i'm also rereading atomic habits right now cool which is a great which I is a read great it. one i love the um, title though <laughs> yeah no it, it's like it's kind of the one that is the the gold star for for books on goal setting and habits and stuff Nice. So atomic habits. That's so cool. Yeah. So those are the ones that And my Amazon wish list is just gonna be so beefed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are those are kind of the ones that have my attention the most right now. Um that's awesome. And I gotta say, every time I listen to podcasts, and I do listen to podcasts a lot, I always feel like um the, the person that is being interviewed just like talks and talks and talks, and I always get a lot of information, which is awesome. So hopefully the listener um or listeners were able to, to get a lot of information from the two of us this was a lot of fun yeah it's I, I i like the um i do like the opportunity to like riff myself as well sometimes because it, yeah. can, be, it can be fun <laughs> and like you're asking the questions too so it's like it doesn't feel just as one-sided we let the conversation flow a little bit more 
Yeah. And I think there's a difference too, between someone who's doing a podcast because they're like getting into a field and they're like, maybe I'll be lucky enough to have some experts teach me along the way, but like you're a super educated guy. And whereas you can have a lot of perspective from people that do come onto the show, it's like, there's so much value with what you're able to say too. So it's, it's so super important for you to have that um, input along the way. Yeah. That's, that's also why I like, you know, I'll do the, um, the individual episodes and stuff too, where it's just me um, to get a chance to share some stuff as well. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Cool, man. Well, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks. I don't think I have any questions, to be honest. <laughs> now, as far as, um, are, are we doing the, the big reveal as far as like the, the extra special Flowcast announcement? Or is that still... Yeah, let's, let's go for it. <laughs> so do you want to let's take go that for over? It. <laughs> do you want to take the reins on that? Sure. It's, it's, it's pretty quick. Anyone that's listening, um, I uh, did a little uh, intro song for the Flowcast uh, intro. Um, and now hopefully RJ uses it moving forward. There's uh, some accountability there. Of course, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to change things. And, and if anyone has any feedback on what they think of the music or anything, then feel free to, uh, to I mean, you, you can mention it to RJ or to myself. I'm at on Instagram at underscore Josh, the musician. So feel free to follow me there or go to my website, Josh, the musician.com. But I wanted to, as a thank you for having me on, just give you a little something. And we've been friends for quite some time and I was happy to help out the business a bit. And hopefully it, we're, uh, we're more like family it all, it now. Flows well. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah. Um, I'm curious to see how it, it goes with the podcast, but I think, uh, what's interesting too, was the reference you gave me was more epic than I would have expected. So it's kind of like a mix between flow and epic, which to me can be two difficult things to balance. One is like epic can be like war and flow yeah. can be like, like just the exact opposite. So it was really fun trying to put those two things together. And I do love making epic music and meditation music. So it was really cool kind of put, trying to put those together. And I think we got a good balance. That's cool. And I'll also mention, in addition to that, you've also composed some of the songs that we play in the float tanks at Flow Spa because those Correct. are on yeah. the those are on the USB keys that we we run the uh, the the floats off of for the the music when customers are either doing music for their whole float or also just to get settled in. Um, some of my favorite yeah. tracks are the. I'd be happy to do more of those too. Those were fun. Yeah, they're they're, they're great, and um, they uh, be, especially because some of the like default tracks that we got are a little bit too. Um, well, they're they're piano, so you know sometimes that's a little bit jarring to have like the the sharp notes like each key hitting attack. Yeah, mm. whereas yours were were much yeah. more calm it's kind of like the ambient music and like the the droning the drones that help to especially people that maybe have tinnitus or can't do too well with complete silence right yeah they're great yeah well what's interesting about those tracks that i wrote for you too was that they're like maybe 10 seconds long and then they're stretched out into an hour it's but most of the time when you stretch audio that's 10 seconds into an hour it sounds like absolute garbage <laughs> so if there is a musician listening to this podcast check out the free plugin called Paul stretch. Um, but I had to try, like I would have like 30 different 10 second things and I would stretch each one to an hour and some didn't work and some did, oh. but it was a pretty quick process. It was just a matter of the exports took a long time and then filtering through, but most people listening to it would have never guessed that it comes from a 10 second music, but maybe upwards of 30 seconds stretched out to an hour. Yeah. 
Yeah, the pulse stretch is is my favorite one. It's really cool. I actually, I think I used it back in the day for the uh, the Flowcast intro, but it was it was definitely flowy. But we needed a little bit more of that hit of epicness for for the, <laughs> what we talk about here. <laughs> yeah, get their attention. You don't want to put them to sleep beforehand. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Awesome. Yeah, so happy to do more of those. Uh, if you if you have any sort of issues, one or anything, happy to keep. Uh, keep partnered with FlowSpot with any audio things you cool. might need and it's been fun so far. Cool. Yeah, we'll uh we'll talk more awesome. about that for sure. Well, it's good. Have an awesome rest of your day and enjoy your weekend, Josh, and thanks for thanks for I will. Yeah, we're going to hang out with a little little baby. Nice. <laughs> Should nice. be good. Okay, yeah. cool. I, I will say talk thanks for to having you. me on to this last and happy to do it again in the future when we have uh, some more stuff to talk about post pandemic hopefully. Yeah, and and definitely um when your courses are ready to to go live let me know and we'll we'll do another call and talk about that stuff and and promote that too yeah sounds great thank you you're welcome perfect all right yeah, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you know talk <laughs> to you soon josh <laughs>